With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos' picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how to get comfortable with fear and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. People say, what are you afraid of, right? I'm afraid of fear because it's like, I want to confront anything in my life that feels challenging on those levels. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Lombardi Line with former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now here is your host, Timmy Abbefe on VSIN, the sports betting network. It's a great day to be alive, and it's a great day to be a better. Welcome inside the VEASAN studios here at the Circa Resort and Casino in downtown Las Vegas. This is the Lombardi Line. Hanging out with you guys on the DraftKings Network. Femi Abebefe, Michael Lombardi out in the great state of New Jersey. Michael, how are we doing this morning here? The morning before Championship Sunday, my favorite sports yeah. day of the year. Yeah, well, I thought last week was your favorite sports day. You can't keep favorite moving around. Weekend. I mean, last week was favorite oh, weekend. Oh, Sunday's oh, I got favorite it. Now day. Now we're classified. Yeah, I got it. Okay, good. Well, that's good. Yeah, I'm excited for it. I think it'll be you know two great games, and uh, you know it's going to be interesting how the underdog, especially the Detroit Lions, play the game. You know they've got some problems within their structure of their defense in terms of their talent base. How they manage the game, I think, is going to be really critical. Uh, you know, there's always there's always a way to win a game and I think Campbell as a strategist is going to have to figure it out knowing that he's facing a really good offense with limitations within his secondary so going to be interesting and that line keeps ticking towards the 49ers surprisingly yeah, we, we saw the news yesterday, Kyle Shanahan saying that Debo Samuel will play in this game. He was a full go at practice on Friday. I would imagine that Debo Samuel's availability had something to do with that line moving toward the 49ers as we're sitting at seven juiced heavily towards the Niners, but there's some seven and a halfs out there as well with the total ticking up to 52. We'll get into that game as well as the AFC title game throughout these two hours. And we have two guests that are joining us over these two hours, starting in 30 minutes. Saran Petro, host of the program on Sports Radio 810 in Kansas City, will break down this Chiefs Ravens game where right now Baltimore is a four point favorite but where I'm sitting at Circa they're four and a half it continues wow. to go in the direction of the Ravens who are the home team hosting their first AFC title game in franchise history then in our number two at 11 15 Eastern time 8 15 Pacific Jim Nagy senior bowl executive director former NFL scout will join us as we're about a week away from the senior bowl in Mobile Alabama we'll ask him about all the prospects they're allowing underclassmen to play in the senior bowl for the first time how does that change mm. the dynamic we'll get into all of that stuff with Jim Nagy and who could be a, a quote-unquote we put quotes around this who could be a quote riser after the week in mobile uh we'll see what has to go down there next week there we'll talk with jim Nagy about that but michael let's discuss this coaching carousel because boy I, I'm, I'm a little surprised that we sit here on this saturday january 27th and 
Atlanta Falcons. We all thought it was going to be Bill Belichick. They had two interviews, but they go ahead and hire Raheem Morris, the defensive coordinator with Los Angeles Rams, to where <laughs> Belichick, Vrabel, they're out there, and, and, and apparently I guess they're not going to be coaching in 2024 unless we see something change drastically. Well, I mean, Arthur Blank, the owner of the Falcons, said this is a historic day for the Falcons franchise. We've done a comprehensive search. Seriously, now, look, when what is the search when somebody can put six Super Bowls on a table and nobody else can match it? Is that really a search? So, look, this is, uh, this is classic NFL jargon. Now, let's go back a little bit. This team hasn't been to the playoffs in seven seasons, okay? All right. They haven't been there since Rich McKay has taken control of the team in 2004. They've been to the playoffs seven times. They went to one Super Bowl lost to the Patriots. So this is an organization that that tends to sputter in mediocrity, clearly. And this decision uh, to be called a historic day is somewhat strange when you consider that they could have made history if they would have hired the greatest coach of all time. They chose not to. They chose to value, and this is not about Raheem Morris, they chose to value their structure. They chose to value Terry Fontenot, their general manager, Ryan Pace, their, their personnel director, and Rich McKay, who's claiming that he will not be involved, but let's be real clear, he's always involved. He has always been involved. Ask anybody who works in Atlanta. And therefore, you know, they decided their structure was better. And this is what we call in the NFL, guard your desk. This has gone on in so often in the league because people don't want to bring competition in. If you were Terry Fontenot, and you were told, you were told that if Belichick comes in, he wasn't going to get, he, you were not getting fired. Okay. You were told that you were going to do your job. Why wouldn't you want to hire the greatest coach of all time? Why wouldn't you want to have that level of competition come in? Why would you settle for someone that you feel like is the right fit for your team, your culture, the shared vision of success? What is the shared vision of success? You went, you've been the GM for three years. You've won seven games. You've drafted three skill players in the top 10, and your offense was 25th in points scored. Like, tell me what the shared vision is. Your shared vision is better than Belichick's shared vision? I find that hard to believe. So this is all just about people protecting their turf. And, and I hope Raheem Morris does a great job. But I think it's going to be a very challenging job, knowing that the infrastructure is the same infrastructure that hasn't been to the playoffs in seven years. Yeah, I mean, this is the infrastructure that now has Arthur Smith unemployed uh, out there after three straight seven-win seasons. And you mentioned, I want to I want to ask you this question, because you said that if Terry Fontenot was told that he would be remaining as his job if Belichick was brought on, do you think that he was told that? Or was there more no, no, uncertainty there? Yeah, okay, you um, know there was. Okay. No, no, I think for clearly he was told that. I think he was definitely told that. I think it was, you know, Arthur Blank did not want to make that change. I think everybody within the organization is nervous. Look, you know, it's funny. I, I just, we just wrote this for the daily coach for monday when bill walsh was late in life he he was going he said goodbye to a lot of people and one of the many people he said goodbye to were the people he competed against it whether it was in college or pro because he felt they made him a better coach right walsh loved competition he wanted the bar to constantly be raised he embraced it right he embraced it and so when you have that that mindset as a leader to embrace competition, to bring people in that could perhaps make you better or compete against people that make you better, your organization becomes better. But when you rely on self-interest, when you basically are constantly guarding your desk and saying, no, 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 we don't want him. I mean, really, seriously, you're selling to the people in Atlanta that the combination of Fontenot 
and Raheem Morris is better than Belichick and anybody else, right? You're saying that. If you believe that, if you really believe that, then, you know, God bless you. Yeah. And I mean, we know that these guys, I'm sure in these positions, very confident in their abilities, but I don't know how you can be confident when the evidence isn't out there for the Atlanta Falcons. There is no there's evidence. No, there's no success there, whatsoever. There is no evidence. I mean, Atlanta won seven games. That You can blame Arthur Smith for the seven, but I think if you were to ask Arthur Smith, and many people have behind the scenes, that there was dysfunction within the building. I mean, everybody has their own agenda within the building, right? The, the salary cap guy, the, the everybody's kind of independent within it. And, you know, it's kind of a surprising move. But what happens here all the time is, is Blank has relied on Rich McKay for advice for 20 some plus years. OK, that's been his main go to guy for advice. And Blank can't see that maybe he's not getting the best advice from McKay. Now, they did a nice job of politically covering up this this whole charade by saying that McKay will no longer be involved in a day to day operation, that an 83 year old Arthur Blank is going to be having the GM and the coach report directly to him. Great. I- I'm not buying that. OK, I'm not buying that. No one's buying that. Right. McKay's going to always be involved because McKay is always involved. And so this is what happens. It's self-preservation. And if you're a Falcon fan, this is what you're dealing with. And I look, I like Raheem. I think Raheem deserves to get a head coaching job. Do I think he was a good head coach the first time? No. But obviously, I think he's been a very good defensive coordinator. My commentary about the Falcon situation has nothing to do with Raheem Morris. It has really nothing to do with Belichick because you could say you passed on Vrabel too here exactly. now. Exactly. Yep. I mean, you you passed six Super Bowl winning. You passed a six-time Super Bowl winning coach, but you also passed a guy that you've watched and observed just up the road a little bit, and you've passed on him. And so for me, it, it, it's 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 hard for me to believe that they actually think that their infrastructure, their culture is so good. I mean, Fontenot said this. He said, I believe I'm excited to work side by side to bring a championship to Atlanta. Raheem's the right fit for our team culture and shared vision for success. What is that shared vision? What is it? Did, did Arthur Smith not have that shared vision? I mean, it's a little bit bad. And, you're tr- and you are trusting that Fontenot is going to find those diamonds in the rough. Good luck. I know we talked about this on the podcast, but for our weekend audience here on Lombardi line, like why do you think we're here to where Bill Belichick, six time winning Super Bowl head coach, Mike Vrabel, who's a terrific coach. He did a wonderful job in Tennessee, went to the AFC title game with Ryan Tannehill at his quarterback, like no shade to Ryan Tannehill, but like I think most football fans would know that he's not one of the elite quarterbacks. Like why do you think those guys are on the outside looking in of this coaching carousel to where there was eight positions when we started this thing and now we're down to two and there's no indication of them getting a job. Well, look, nobody wanted Lamar Jackson, including the Atlanta Falcons, who that front office went out of their way to announce that they weren't interested. It wasn't that they weren't interested. They announced they weren't interested, right? Yeah. They put a statement out, we're not interested. Why yeah. would you be? You know, why yeah. would you be? Why would you trust the front office that wasn't interested in Lamar and put a statement out to build your future? I don't know. The, the reality of the situation is there's a, there's a prevailing feeling within the culture of the NFL that Coaches that demand accountability, coaches that demand discipline, coaches that work the players, coaches that uh, are trying to compete on a high level is going out of style. Okay, let's look at the four teams we're going to evaluate this weekend. Right. Detroit. Busting kneecaps. You think they don't you don't practice? You know, they have accountability. San Francisco. Read read Hargrave's commentary between the difference between San Francisco and Philly. 
right? Baltimore, they're one of the most competitive teams in the league. Kansas City, come on. It's never going out of style. It's the perception that's going out of style. People may say, well, Belichick's methods are old. Really? Have you ever spent 10 minutes talking to the man about his methods? Like his methods are going to go on forever. It's the secret to winning championships are the methods. It's the same methods, different how they're approached, but the same method in Kansas City, Detroit, obviously Baltimore and San Francisco. So it's just the it's the it's the sense of the league and it really comes down to who's in control. Guard your desk. It's really disappointing cuz like when you grow up and you watch this sport and you watch this league as a fan, like you want to believe it's that it's a meritocracy. Sport. But yes, it's no, not a meritocracy. No, it's the entertainment business. It's the entertainment business. Yeah. Winning really is. And Walsh said this in 1984. Winning is 84. secondary. <laughs> yeah. Oh, winning secretary for a lot. Of, you think winning's really important in Atlanta? Yeah, it doesn't seem like it. They haven't done a whole lot of it recently as well. We'll talk more about the coaching carousel just getting warmed up here on the Lombardi line. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. On Purpose is dedicated to helping you be happier, healthier, and more healed. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how he got comfortable with fear, navigating the changes in relationships, and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. This conversation shows a never-seen-before side to Orlando Bloom and his unique life journey. I think we all struggle sometimes to really deeply believe that we are enough, that we're valued, that we're valuable. You know, we're imprinted by our parents from the age of zero to seven, right? Mm. I'm constantly trying to go, like, how do I detach from my this idea of, what do, is, that, is that my baggage? I look like my baggage. I mean, I know, oh, okay, that's mine. Let's unpack that. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Get ready for Smart Money Happy Hour. Pull up a chair. It's the happy hour you wish your friends were having. Mix two money experts with some hot takes and a splash of nostalgia, and you get me, George Campbell. And me, Rachel Cruz, talking unfiltered about what's going on in the world, pop culture, and how to afford a life you love. We're talking money, celebrity budgets, and my budget for my two French Bulldogs. It's a lot. You'll hear it all on Smart Money Happy Hour. Listen on the iHeart app or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Lombardi Line with former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now here is your host, Timmy Abebefe on VSEN, the sports betting network. DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL playoffs, is bringing you an offer that will help make the playoffs electrifying. New customers can bet 5 bucks on any game and get 200 instantly in bonus bets. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VSIN only on DraftKings Sportsbook with code VSIN. The crown is yours. 
Welcome back. This is the Lombardi line here on the DraftKings Network. Family of Bebefay, Michael Lombardi. Thank you to Seren Petro, host of the program at Sports Radio 810 and KC. Joined us last segment, breaking down this AFC title game. And Michael, before we get to our championship Sunday superlatives, I'll ask you the question that I asked Seren. Like, do you think in this Mahomes-Reed era that has gone on since 2018, is the Ravens the best team that they have faced so far in this era? Well, it's the best team, and I wrote this on on Friday. It's the best team Lamar's had around him, right? I mean, he's got, and it's the best scheme Lamar's had around him. He's got a passing game. This is the most passing attempts he's had in his career as an NFL player. So they've thrown the ball more. He's got better receivers on the outside. There's a propensity to want to throw the ball. They're not trying to run it and then make have him make a play in the passing game with his feet or with his arms. So I think they're a more well-rounded team. I think the change from Roman, Greg Roman's offense to this offense has proven to be more beneficial for Lamar because they're taking they're taking Lamar's strengths, which is throwing the ball in the middle of the field given him an opportunity to make plays with his arm because Lamar has never just been a runner. I mean, the differences between Lamar and Justin Fields are, are, are really dramatic in the sense that Lamar's a better pocket passer, always has been. And Lamar is always able to throw the ball. The first play of most every Louisville game when Bobby Petrino was the head coach was some form of a down-the-field post. And Petrino would tell him all the time to throw the ball at the helmet, hit the receiver's helmet. And he did. He's accurate. But where Lamar struggled in the past offense was throwing the ball outside the numbers, you know, get behind. They don't have a sophisticated pro passing game to catch up. That's all changed. So for me, what I wrote about on Friday, Femi, is that all the prior games are meaningless. They're all meaningless. There's no sense in looking at 17 touchdowns, seven interceptions, you know, seven touchdowns on the road, one interception. All that stuff is out the window because these two teams are vastly different than any of the teams they face since this time. Yeah. And you talked about that leading up to the game last Saturday where everyone was referencing the ATS numbers for Lamar Jackson in the playoffs saying, oh, like he's not a good playoff performer, one in three ATS. And it's like, OK, well, like that was with Greg Roman, a totally different offensive scheme. And we saw what happened in the second half of that game last Saturday. If you laid the nine and a half, ten, you were laughing to the bank uh, with the way that second half played out. So I, I do think it's an interesting dynamic with now the playoff performer of all playoff performance currently in the NFL, Patrick Mahomes coming to town and the market is what it is but let's get to our championship sunday superlatives michael and this is for all four teams combined when you answer these questions think about all four the first mm-hmm. question for our producer elliot bowman is best unit on the field sunday is the san francisco offense diverse positionless uh can move the ball against anyone can run and throw I think they are the best unit on the field, even over their defense, which has some leakiness to it, right? There's ways you can move the football. I think it's the best unit in football because they're such a hard matchup. You know, for example, the prop on McCaffrey's receptions. I think that's a really good play because I think he's going to get the ball and they're going to be able to throw him the ball whether Debo plays or not. So I think that's the best unit. There you go. I just jotted that down. CMC receptions over as a potential there for a prop bet there, because I think a lot of people like to play the anytime touchdown, which he scores every single game. But maybe you look for the receptions there. All right. On the other side, the worst unit on the field on Sunday. 
Oh, it's clearly the Detroit defense. I mean, it's the Detroit passing game defense is what I should say. They can stop the run. Now, they didn't do it well last week against Tampa, and Tampa ran the football effectively, probably didn't run it enough to slow the game down. But the the, the, the secondary, this back seven of the Detroit Lions are probably a draft away from being good enough, right? They're one more draft away. They need more team speed defensively. They've got to be able to break up the ball, their corner situation. Now having uh, Gardner Johnson back helps, but I still think this is the weak unit of the team, and this is the weakest unit of any of the four teams in the playoffs. I think you could have made an argument that they were the weakest unit of any of the four teams last weekend in the playoffs, that Detroit defense. Mm-hmm. I mean, given up they they give up yards to Baker Mayfield, Stafford, Nick Mullins twice down the stretch, Dak Prescott, like everyone's been having career days against the Detroit defense. And that is expected on Sunday for Brock Purdy, and especially some of his pass catchers, IU Kittle, those guys, I think their prop overs have been getting bet heavily throughout the week. Quarterback most likely to have a bad game. Most of this is like a, a Elliot's trying to lure you into a trap to say Brock Purdy. Not so fast. I don't think so. I think it's Jared Goff because, and, and not because I think Goff's not a good player, but because the 49er defensive front's got to show up. Like they've got over $100 million in that defensive front. And it's got to show up. And with Jackson not playing at left guard, we saw last week when he went out, Goff got a lot of pressure. So you got Hargrave or Armstead going to line up against him. And you can't really double them because who's helping with Bosa? Who's helping with Chase Young? You know, this defensive front is going to get one-on-ones. I would expect if I were Steve Wilkes to rush five. I would have five down linemen almost all the time. Two linebackers, five down linemen. You know, and just say, basically, look, make these guys have to block one-on-one and see what I can do. Because if I put pressure internally on Goff and speed him up, you know, when Goff has time to check the runners at first and third before he comes to the plate, he's really good. But when he has to play faster, right, when he has to get rid of the football faster, make quicker decisions like the Rams were able to do in the second half, things start to wilt a little bit. I have a spicy one for that one there. I, I, and I don't mean this as any disrespect. Like I respect the hell out of this guy. And like, he's obviously an all timer already. I think it might be Mahomes, given the fact that he's going against the Ravens defense. Like that defense is real for Baltimore. And like the, if the game gets away from them and he has to start trying to do things that are outside of what the chiefs offense can handle, maybe it gets away and it gets bad for, for Kansas city. Well, I, I- I think to me, Femi, when you play on the road, communication is so important. I mean, last week, their ability to communicate. Will Hill sent me a text said he watched the game and the Buffalo Bills crowd was silent. Well, it was silent because they were only in five third downs, the Chiefs. (laughs) Only five. They only had the ball for 22 minutes. And when you run the ball and get first downs, it's hard to get the crowd up and going. When you're playing Canadian football, that's when the crowd can't really cheer. What do they get excited for? Oh, it's a possession down. We're going to get up. We need to help the defense. So if Baltimore's crowd's into the game and they're forcing 10 to 12 third downs, there's a chance for communication to break down. And then that's the only way. Look, Mahomes is only going to have a bad game if communication breaks down. He's not going to have a bad game because he's a bad player. No, he's yeah, he's terrific. Obviously, as a player there, and like you mentioned, like the the in stadium stuff gets going with like oh third down, and the crowd starts to yell. If you're not in third down, that's never going to happen. Coach most likely to commit malpractice. <laughs> that's a good one there. That's a good one. Uh, I think it's going to be Campbell because he's sometimes too aggressive, right? Like sometimes you've got to read the room. You got to understand that, you know, this is this is for a chance to go to the Super Bowl and you can't put all your chips at the middle of the table all the time. Like you got to fight for a better day. 
I mean, just go back and watch the Super Bowl when the 40, when the Raiders, when excuse me, when the Patriots are down 28 to three. You know, they, they didn't put all their chips in the middle of the table. They fought their way back into the game. I think to me, that's the one thing that I worry about Campbell is is he's got this gunslinger over aggressive mentality. And sometimes that can bite you. Yeah, no, I told Mike Palmer yesterday, Campbell splitting kings at the blackjack table. He's hitting 17. He's doing all the crazy stuff there. <laughs> Just look out for him. Underdog most likely to win outright. Under Well, I mean, uh, Kansas City, obviously. I think Kansas City could. I, I, I think the Lions have a chance. They got to play the perfect game. But Kansas City most likely would be the underdog you would have to play just by the point spread alone. What about the offense most likely to score 40 plus points? Well, I think that's San Francisco because they're going against a, a unit that gives up points. I mean, let's go back. The great Nick Mullins, 411 yards passing against this defense, 396 passing. Do you want me to repeat that? Nick <laughs> Mullins threw for 400 <laughs> yards against this defense and then 396, okay? Dang. Nick Mullins, okay? Now, Kevin O'Connell's a really good play caller and his offense is good. So if Kyle Shanahan's on his game and Brock Purdy's can grip the football and throw it accurately, they have the best chance to score 40 points. The defense most likely to hold the opponent under 20 points. I'm going to say Baltimore. Now, look, in the last three games, Kansas City has averaged 26 points per game. They've really improved their offensive production. As I mentioned earlier, they've run the ball more effectively, 80 rushes. They're running it effectively. Uh, they've limited to net, and he hasn't turned the ball over. But this will be a hard game for them. If they get to under 20, I mean, I think this game will go over the point total of 44 and a half. But mm. I think if it's likely for an opponent to be held under 20, I think it's going to have to be uh, the Chiefs. Yeah, no, I really like this Baltimore defense. And I, I, there is something to be said about Kansas City the last couple of weeks. They faced decimated units with Miami's defense, Buffalo's defense. Baltimore is rested. They're healthy. They're at home where they played their best football. I think the Ravens defense can put one of those big performances together against the best quarterback in the NFL, Patrick Mahomes. All right, that does it for hour number one. Hour number two, we look at the coaching matchups, Campbell versus Shanahan, and of course, Andy Reid versus John Harbaugh next here on the Lombardi Line. This is the Lombardi Line with former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now here is your host, Timmy Abebefe, on VSEN, the sports betting network. With Omaha Steaks, you'll fall in love at first bite with their tender steaks, juicy burgers, air-chilled chicken, and more. You're going to love every bite. It's Omaha Steaks guaranteed. And for a limited time, when you go to omahasteaks.com slash you will get four free air-chilled boneless chicken breasts and four free rich, juicy, boneless pork chops with your order. Minimum purchase may apply. Sounds like a great deal if you ask me. This is the Lombardi line here on the DraftKings <laughs> Network. Femi Abebefe, Michael Lombardi here on this Saturday. And joining us now to get us ready for what's going to happen next week in Mobile, Alabama. We're bringing in Jim Nagy, Executive Director of the Reese's Senior Bowl. Jim, we appreciate you joining us as always. And I'm really curious because the dynamic of this year's Senior Bowl has changed. Senior is in the name, but this is the first year you guys have allowed underclassmen to also play in this game and participate throughout the week and get to know some of these NFL teams. Have you guys seen a number of underclassmen take advantage of that opportunity? And how has that kind of changed, I guess, the pool of talent that you guys are seeing upcoming this week? 
Yeah, first off, good morning, guys. Thanks for having me back on. Um, yeah, I've been I've been telling people these are the best rosters. I can just speak to the six years I've been here. They're 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 our best rosters, but and they should be. <laughs> you you, you're, you have the ability to bring in underclassmen. You should have some pretty darn good rosters. So yeah, we've got about 20 juniors in the game this year. Some uh, the the DB the, the the DB group really got got bolstered by that by the underclassmen thing. I think we have five safeties in a corner. Um, no, it's it, it's helped tremendously. We've you know you're taking basically essentially taking 20 guys off the bottom end of your roster, which for us is usually you know middle to late day three players, and then you're replacing those guys with with most of these juniors are top hundred players. So yeah, it's it's had a huge impact, and it, the senior bowl's always had a lot of star power in it, um, but the new junior will help. I want to know how, how do you eat the Reese's peanut butter cups all year round there? I mean, Jim, I don't know how you avoid it, right? Like they got to be in the office and you got to be killing it every day. It's amazing. You keep your weight down. Uh-huh. But I, here's what I really want to know. I mean, you've got some really good quarterbacks in the game. Which one did you have the hardest time convincing to come? And which one are you most excited about seeing? Um, I didn't have a hard time getting convinced of any of these guys that, that are here. We had a hard time convincing Jaden Daniels once everyone put, started putting him in the top five of this year's draft, um, which is funny. I was at the Alabama game sitting with a bunch of scouts in the press box, and I turned over the one on my left and the one on my right, and I said, "Which, you know, what round do you think Jalen goes in or Jaden goes in? One said third and the other said fourth. Um, I thought that was really low. I thought that was really low at the time, but I still, I mean, and now there, he wins the Heisman trophy and there's this meteoric rise. So, um, but Jane was, but this group, no, all these guys are on board, on board. Bo Nix wants to come here and compete. He's actually doing his pre-draft training here with, with Drake may, uh, with a group called QB country. Michael Penix was a guy that, uh, we got a commitment from in early December. He just didn't want us to announce until he was done playing football. Um, so no, I'm excited to see all these guys. I think Michael Pratt from Tulane, is kind of the under radar guy, maybe not as big a name as a Spencer Rattler or a Joe Milton or a Sam, uh, you know, Sam Hartman, but uh, Michael Pratt to me, Mike, like w- when you and I, I mean, we go way back and it, you go back into the nineties, you know, late nineties when I started scouting quarterbacks that raise the level of, of the program, that's something we mm-hmm. all looked for, right? Like you look for a quarterback yep. that could raise, raise it. And, and that's what Michael Pratt has done. I mean, he went toe to toe with Caleb, Caleb Williams in the cotton bowl last year and beat him. And, and they only lost one, one game at Tulane. So really took a, a struggling Tulane program and, and raised them to new heights. It's kind of like what Brett Favre did when he was at Southern Miss going in and beating Bobby Bowden's Florida state team and going into Tuscaloosa and beating the tide. So um, I think Michael Pratt's going to be a guy as we go through the process, you're going to start hearing his name a, a, a lot more. I think he's an NFL starter. Um, I'm excited to see him go, go through the process. We're speaking with Jim Nagy, executive director of the Senior Bowl here on the Lombardi line. You know, it's interesting now that the regular season is over and we're deep into the playoffs, we're starting to get all the mock drafts. All the mock drafts are coming out from the NFL draft analysts, and I think they're awesome because it's entertaining content for all of us. But a lot of them have like Michael Penix Jr. and Bo Nix in those top 15 picks, top 20 picks. When you speak to people around the league, I'm sure you're going to speak to more of them this upcoming week in Mobile. Does that match what the reality is? And do people talk about those guys as those kind of top 20 picks or is that maybe just the media being a little bit too high on them? No, I don't, I don't want to, I want to stay away from that. I appreciate the question, but um, no, I think there's teams that have first round grades on those guys for sure. Um, You know, to the mock draft thing. And I I know Mike would be sensitive to this too. If he were, if he were at the senior bowl, the mocks for me are are a real pain because, you know, Daniel (laughs) Jeremiah is one of the, is one of the only guys doing a mock draft that's actually earned a paycheck 
to, to evaluate in the NFL. And so, you know, when Daniel put out his mock first draft last week, he has Byron Murphy from, from Texas as his number 11 player. And I texted him. I'm like, Daniel, we're going to lose that kid now. Like, thanks a lot. Um, you know, joking, <laughs> jokingly. I mean, he, he's, he's only, he's only doing what, what his bosses tell him to do. Um, but I literally got a call one hour later from, from uh, Byron Murphy's agent telling him he can't send him to the senior bowl now. So that stuff, that stuff really works against us. And I know that like, you know, the draft media loves to like get around these players and see these players. Like if we were, if we were all in this thing together and we're not, because I know media companies need clicks, we would hold off until all that stuff. The senior ball rosters would look a lot different um, and they're already great, but they would look different if we didn't do any mocks pre, you know, prior to these guys coming to mobile. So everybody, yeah, and, and, and you know, you're preaching to the choir when you talk about these mocks, especially mocks in January, Jim. I think to me, they are so inaccurate, and I can't, and I have kept records of them going back to uh, whenever OneNote started because I just put them in my OneNote file, and I I know how inaccurate they are. But I want to ask you, what is give me the what your view is the best offensive lineman and the best defensive lineman that no one's really talking about that's in your game. Well, I would say the offensive lineman, that's, that's a pretty easy one. And this is a stacked class. My first year here in 2019, we had five first round offensive linemen. I think this group will beat that. Um, but the, the guy I would say is Tyler Guyton from Oklahoma. Cause I think he's the most talented tackle in the draft. Um, you know, we're hearing a lot about Olu Fushano from Penn state and Joe Walt from Notre Dame. And those guys are great players. I'm not knocking them. They're going to be very good pros. But Tyler Guyton's tape, like he just does stuff those dudes, those two guys can't do athletically. Reminds me of Tyron Smith when he was coming out of USC, and we we've, we've all seen what Tyron Smith has has turned into. Um, and then on the on the defensive side of the ball, you know, in terms of the pass rushers, our, our top one is Layatu Latu from UCLA. He's in a lot of people's top ten mock top tens, and he's he's stuck with the game to his credit. He wants to show everyone he's better than Dallas Turner from Alabama and, and uh, Jared verse from Florida state and kind of leave no doubt in that area. But, but I'll say in terms of pass rushers, the guy that uh, I'm excited to see down here that, that really is under the radar is a kid from Western Michigan named Marshawn Neeland. Um, he is, he's already got top hundred grades. I mean, most, most people in the league have him in that third round area. So for a Mac level player, um, that's pretty high already. And I just think he's going to keep ascending. He's 270 pounds. He's got really heavy hands. Um, he is a hard charging rusher, all motor. Um, I think he's going to come out of this week and you're going to start hearing more, more second round stuff um, with Marshawn Nealon from Western Michigan. That's interesting stuff. Quarterbacks aside here, Jim, after next week, what do you think is going to be the big discussion? Like, Which position group do you think is going to get the most pub outside of the quarterbacks after we see the practices and all the games? Like, What do you think everyone's going to learn and get excited about? Well, I think everyone gets excited about wide receivers. And, you know, last year our game had seven top 100 receivers. And a lot of those guys had great rookie years. You're talking about, you know, Puka Nakua wasn't even one of those guys. He went in the fifth round. But, you know, the Rashi Rices and the Jaden Reeds and um, – you know, that it was just a re tank Dell. I mean, we had a great receiver class last year and I think this class is on par with that. Xavier Leggett from South Carolina is a guy that is being mocked in more like second round areas right now that I think he's going to jump a bunch of these juniors that came out that are being talked about more highly. Uh, Lad McConkey from Georgia. I don't think anyone realizes how good this kid is. Um, and then Devontae Walker is another name from North Carolina, big, smooth, fast, vertical threat. Um, Daniel Jeremiah put him in his mock first round somewhere in the twenties. Um, you know, and he missed half the year because of an NCAA transfer waiver thing. So um, those are some names. But from top to bottom, that receiver crew is pretty loaded. 
So, Jim, the coaching staffs, talk about that a little bit. It's a complete change. We used to get off, used to get complete staffs. Now, how have you broken that down this year? Yeah, Mike, I mean, you and I could probably talk for a couple hours on this topic with, uh, I wasn't happy when the change was made from the league office. I mean, that's part of the tradition of the senior bowl was having the full staff yeah. for 73 years. So wasn't, wasn't happy when that ruling came down, but you know what, you, 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 you when you step back from it, from, and I always try to look at it from a player's perspective or an agent's perspective now, rather than just having two teams, you know, at the top of the draft order down here with our players behind the scenes, you know, getting some really valuable intel on these guys, you know, eating meals with them, driving, taking, taking the bus ride to the practice with them. Um, there's a lot of great takeaways, but instead of two teams, no, that's 18 teams. We've got more than half the league involved in our game now. Um, and those guys are going to be, you're going to have individuals from all those teams going back to their draft rooms with some, with some great, some great information. So I think it's, I think it is good for our players. It's great for the development of the coaches. I understand why the league wanted to do it. It's kind of a developmental program for these young coaches, but, uh, but yeah, it actually worked great last year. I mean, it's a lot more on our end, like from an operation standpoint, uh, but, but it's been a great change. All right, that's awesome stuff. That is Jim Nagy, the Jim, executive director Appreciate of you. the Reese's Senior Bowl. Jim, good luck next week. We'll all be watching. All right, guys. Thanks for having me on again. Awesome stuff there from Jim Nagy. All right, we'll talk more about the coaching matchups for the conference title games coming up next here on the Lombardi Lab. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. On Purpose is dedicated to helping you be happier, healthier, and more healed. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how he got comfortable with fear, navigating the changes in relationships, and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. This conversation shows a never-seen-before side to Orlando Bloom and his unique life journey. I think we all struggle sometimes to really deeply believe that we are enough, that we're valued, that we're valuable. You know, we're imprinted by our parents from the age of zero to seven, right? Mm. I'm constantly trying to go like, how do I detach from my, this idea of, what, do, is, that, is that my baggage? I look like my baggage. I mean, I know, oh, okay, that's mine. Let's unpack that. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Get ready for Smart Money Happy Hour. Pull up a chair. It's the happy hour you wish your friends were having. Mix two money experts with some hot takes and a splash of nostalgia, and you get me, George Campbell. And me, Rachel Cruz, talking unfiltered about what's going on in the world, pop culture, and how to afford a life you love. We're talking money, celebrity budgets, and my budget for my two French Bulldogs. It's a lot. <laughs> You'll hear it all on Smart Money Happy Hour. Listen on the iHeart app or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Lombardi Line with former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now here's your host, Timmy Abbafei on VSEN, the sports betting network. 
DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL playoffs, is bringing you an offer that will help make the playoffs electrifying. New customers can bet 5 bucks on any game and get 200 instantly in bonus bets. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VEASAN only on DraftKings Sportsbook with code VEASAN. The crown is yours. Welcome back. This is the final segment here of the Lombardi line on the Saturday morning. Femi Abebefe, Michael Lombardi out in the great state of New Jersey. I'm hanging out in downtown Las Vegas. It'll be a live bet Saturday after us. Jonathan Von Tobel, Pam Maldonado here on VEASAN. So make sure you stick around for that. Uh, Michael, what are you doing here on this Saturday? I mean, we have no football. We no, no, no NFL to, to digest. What's what's on the menu today? Are you watching anything? You're going out? You're barbecuing? No, what no, are we doing? Uh, I'm not turning that TV on. I got I got to do some writing. I got to do some preparation for some presentations to to a college, and so I, I've got a lot of stuff on my plate. You know, I gotta I gotta get on to the next thing. I think you know if you read any of Steve Pressfield's work about uh, the creative process, about how you have to constantly have a a challenge in front of you. So that that's going to be as the season winds down. I'm not watching bowling. I can promise you that. And so you know, I know there'll be some great college games. I'm just not ready to get into full, full yeah. Ken Palm mode yet. I, I hear you. Um, I, uh, my schedule today will be filled with all sorts of wedding planning stuff. So that's what I have. There you go. Forward to Isn't me. that good? Yeah. yeah. Isn't that good? You should just yeah. ask Stormy for her notes and then just follow along. <laughs> She asked me about it uh, yet last week. She we ran into each other on Monday. She said, oh, "How's it going?" I was like, "It's going great." Although my parents want to keep inviting more and more people, so it's uh, those conversations have been fun. It. Yeah, it's, you know, it's their day too. You know, it you is. get to enjoy it. Oh. I know both my kids. I enjoyed the day tremendously, and uh, you know, it's it's kind of a it's a lot of pride that goes into it. You know, you see your kids are growing up. Yeah, no, it's uh, it, it definitely is a day for them as well. And it's obviously like we're looking forward to it. It's in April and everything and all that. And like that's kind of be where my focus shifts yeah. post football season yeah. and all that. But uh, it, it, be, it's, it, it's it becomes time. a big milestone for you in your life. Like for me and Millie, you know, as we get older, like we, our youngest granddaughter, she's just turned two. Like I want to be alive to watch her get married. It could be a long time from now. But, uh, you know, that's kind of your your kind of your goal that you use that as a milestone to take care of yourself. 100%. So that's what I'm doing today. And then obviously tomorrow you go. We'll, we'll get to conference championship Sunday. But uh, let's uh, update folks on some of the injury news that we've gotten, though. Kadarius mm-hmm. Tony, Chiefs wide receiver. Oh, my God. <laughs> he hasn't played in a while. He's not going to play? He's not going to play, Michael. I don't know if that, oh what that gosh. does to your numbers. I don't numbers. know what I'm going to do. I, I don't know what he, that does He's probably for you. happy as could be. Yeah. I mean, I, look, if they give the ball to Hardeman in this game, I mean, they're crazy. They deserve to lose. Like, I've seen that. it, you know, like, I've seen enough of Hardeman. Hardeman, I've seen enough. Okay, no. I don't care how fast you run or what you do. I've seen enough. Like, we're not giving you the – this game is too important to believe that you're not going to fumble. Okay, so that – take that one out. But, you know, it's funny. We talk – this prop game. So, Russo and I are now into the prop world because okay. there's only two games left to play. So, you have to play uh, – you have to play props. So, fire away, my man. I've got some here that I like. Well, let's talk about it. Like, this is more from the index prop kind of standpoint here. Most passing yards most rushing yards, most receiving yeah, that's yards. that's where I was. There we go. Okay, so most passing yards over at DraftKings. Brock Purdy is the favorite, plus 140. Jared Goff is at 2-1. to one. Mahomes, 3-1. to one. Lamar Jackson, 8-1. to one. When you look at those numbers, uh, where do you think the value lies in the most passing yards market? Well, I took Purdy for 30 points at over 279 because I think when you break it down, Nick Mullins, 4-11, 396. Dak Prescott, 360. You know, uh, Matthew Stafford, 359. I mean, 349. And then 
uh, Baker Mayfield over 350. So um, there's yards out there. You know, I do think to me, Lamar, I know we talked about the secondary for the Chiefs being really good, but I think Lamar could have a good day passing because I think there's going to be some matchups he favors. Like I took in, in Russo, I took Odell Beckham over 19 and a half yards yeah. because I think if Zay Flowers is going to get attention, I think Beckham could be the beneficiary. Yeah, and Lamar does like throwing to Odo Beckham. And also, Lamar, we should point out, we haven't discussed this because that's been news that came out earlier this week. He's getting his favorite pass catcher back in Mark Andrews. Like, that's a big deal right. for Lamar Jackson here. And this right. Ravens team is getting healthier as the most important game of the season. I think that Lamar at 8-1, to one, and I get it, like last game he ran for, ran for about 120 yards or whatever it was, threw for 100-plus yards. So people don't really think about him as like the passer, but – this guy is still one of the best quarterbacks in the league. You're getting eight to one with other only competing with three other quarterbacks. That to me, just from a value standpoint, makes a whole lot of sense with Lamar Jackson having the most passing yards. But I guess the implication is that they might be in the lead. Maybe they don't pass as much, but maybe they pass to get the lead. You never know. Uh, most rushing yards. McCaffrey, of course, is the favorite. Minus 105. Isaiah Pacheco plus 425. Lamar plus 450. Jameer Gibbs plus 850. David Montgomery 10 to one. Gus Edwards 11 to one. Well, let me see that one again. So we got Gus Edwards. This is the most rushing yards on Sunday. I'm probably going to lean towards Pacheco because I think, as I've mentioned before, they have run the ball. Take that back. Let me go. Let me go. Gus Edwards, 11 to one. Oh, I think Baltimore can run the ball. I think Baltimore can run the football and I think they need to run the ball. And I think that that the Chiefs have been prone to a run game. And I think they definitely can run the football. So I would say I'm going to take a shot. That's a long shot right there. Any interest on the Detroit guys, whether it's Gibbs or Montgomery, with the analysis about how, hey, the Niners run defense might be the weakness of that team? Any interest with Gibbs or Montgomery at those prices? No, I think, look, the Niners defense is going to be prepared for what's going to happen, right? So I think there's clearly – they got embarrassed, right? They got embarrassed. And – I think last week, you're going to see a different Niner defense. I think what you're going to see more than anything is a different Niner defensive front. That's what we have to see. And if you're Kyle Shanahan, you could not have been happy with the way we played against Green Bay. Now, the key is going to be, the key is going to be that they were, I think we saw the game last week, right? Nobody mentioned this, but when you watch the tape of the game, Green Bay slipped quite a bit. The field was slippery. It was difficult, uh, you know, and, and you kept have a hard time keeping your footing. It's like when you go play in Lambeau, if you don't wear the right shoes in Lambeau, you're going to have some real issues, right? You're going to mm-hmm. have some real issues. And so I think that's going to be the number one challenge here for Detroit is to make sure, and Campbell will make damn sure they have the right shoes. Remember Sean Payton when he yelled at Mike Bell coming off the field? Oh, what yeah. kind of spikes do you have on? Uh, figured, you know, like he didn't listen to him. So I think to me that's going to be the key here. And if you have the right shoes, you're going to be able to to run the ball. I think Gibbs, and they're going to be prepared for Gibbs running the ball. Yeah, no, that's such an underrated thing. Like we don't really talk about that leading up to games, and all of a sudden you turn it on, and guys are slipping and sliding all over the field. Like, like that's such an underrated thing. Like you got to wear the right spikes to the you can handle the conditions out there in the Bay Area. Most receiving yards, the favorite 
is Brandon Ayuk after what CeeDee Lamb, Justin Jefferson, Puka Nakua, Mike Evans, what those guys did to Detroit's defense, it makes sense that Ayuk would be the favorite plus 225. Amon Ross St. Brown plus 260. Travis Kelsey plus 750. Rishi Rice plus 800. Debo Samuel 12 to 1. Zay Flowers 18. Laporta 20. Josh Reynolds 25. And Mark Andrews at 30 to 1. Yeah, this is an interesting one here. You know, I mean, obviously, Ayuk's going to get the ball. I don't see McCaffrey up there. I took McCaffrey, his prop of over 36 and a half yards in the Russo contest. I, I love that. I think he's going to have – I think he is going to get the football quite a bit, right? I think he's going to get the football quite a bit. So, you know, to me, if I had a look at this one, the I might go with Flowers because he could have two or three big plays at 18 to 1 that could make a huge difference. If they engage in man, to man one thing is when you engage a man-to-man and you miss the tackle and you don't get the guy on the ground it's a big play we saw this happen before our producer elliot just told me christian mccaffrey most receiving yards on sunday 45 to 1 so if you want yeah. a, if you want a long shot a big bomb to root for mccaffrey at 45 yeah. is definitely a guy yeah, I mean, look, I think he's going to get the ball because, again, if they're in base and they get to, and they play nickel, right, you know, there, there's going to be some – these linebackers are str- will struggle to cover McCaffrey. They're going to have to have the right matchup on him in the passing game. I, I think Kyle will take advantage of it. There's not a whole lot of value there on the Ayuk number at plus 225. If anything, because like, I think Ayuk is going to have a big game, but everybody does. The market thinks so, too. You just, I think you just bet some of like the Ayuk 100 plus receiving yards or maybe Ayuk two plus touchdowns, something like that. If you want to get invested with Brandon Ayuk, you're probably going to get around the same payout and not have to worry about whatever the other games are going on and all of that stuff there. So uh, I do think that he'll have a big game as McCaffrey. McCaffrey over receptions. I think that's one I'm going to actually bet there that you recommended for Christian McCaffrey. Uh, real quick here before we go, did you see? some of the look ahead lines for the Super Bowl based on some of the matchups. If we get Niners Ravens, Niners will be one and a half. If we get Niners Chiefs, Niners two and a half, Ravens Lions three and a half in favor of Baltimore and then Lions Chiefs would be three in favor of Kansas City. Didn't the, didn't the Ravens beat the Lions like 38 to three? That line would only be three and a half. I would bet it if that was the line. Oh my God, I think that would get jumped right away, right? I think that would get, and and the fact that the the, the Chiefs are just our four point dog, and they would only be a two and a half to ball to to uh, San Francisco. That seems a little out of whack to me. Yep, seems a little off there. But things might change based on what we see yeah. tomorrow. All right, that does it for us here on the Lombardi Line. Michael, enjoy Saturday. And we'll see all the games coming up on Sunday, buddy. Thank you, Femi. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie. Because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to More Than a Movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how to get comfortable with fear and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. People say, what are you afraid of, right? I'm afraid of fear because it's like I want to confront anything in my life that feels challenging on those levels. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast.